Welcome to Small Business Minutes. We will learn to survive, adapt, and thrive. Hello, welcome to another episode of Small Business Minutes. Uh, with me today is Brad Reynolds, a partner in the accounting firm of Molinari Oswald. Uh, this is part of the Small Business Survival Series that we're doing. Uh, specifically, this episode is going to discuss the, as it's affectionately known by its acronym, the PPP program. Brad will go into what that means, and we'll discuss the basic parameters of the program, and then the forgiveness part of the program as it's currently understood, and then some current legislation that has been uh, forwarded but not yet passed uh, both houses and signed by the president. Just for perspective, today is May 29th, 2020. So this information certainly could change, and it has been dynamic since they first proposed some of these rules. So without further ado, Brad, why don't you go into the basics of the PPP program? Sure, Fran. Thanks. Um, So essentially, the PPP plan, the Paychecks Protection Program, was set up for small businesses uh, almost as a conduit to unemployment compensation uh, rather than completely flooding the the unemployment um, arena. Uh, The government, um, through local banks, set up the PPP program to allow employers to receive funding from banks uh, backed by the SBA to be used to maintain their payroll, to keep people on the payroll so they did not have to go into the traditional unemployment um, program. Uh, The the PPP program was essentially um, a loan uh, that could potentially be forgiven if used for the proper allowable expenses. Uh, the, The amount of the loan was determined based on uh, either the 2019 calendar year wages or a rolling 12 months here, February to February, March to March uh, of, of wages. And the loan amount was two and a half months worth of those wages. So two and a half times the uh, monthly average wages for 2019 or the rolling period. <clears throat> that um, money then needs to be spent within a certain period of time. Uh, right now, the, the time frame is eight weeks. Eight weeks from the time you receive the money, you needed to spend it on payroll and other qualifying expenses. Payroll being the predominance of that amount, uh, needed to be 75% of the loan amount. Um, the other 25% could be spent on mortgage interest, rent, lease payments, and utilities. Um, and the Mortgage interest and rent and lease payments uh, were initially for real property only. Uh, there's been some expansion to that to allow, uh, certainly for lease payments, to allow it for personal property as well, vehicle leases, equipment leases, that sort of thing. Um, and it appears there's been some interest in uh, the personal property, uh, interest on personal property loans, vehicle loans, equipment loans uh, being also allowable. Um, that's something that's still in the works as as most small business owners know, this this plan has been evolving since it began. And then the the, the last item would be utility payments. So if the, if the money is spent on 75% payroll and then the rest on these remaining items, the entire loan could potentially be forgiven. And, you know, what's interesting to me in all of this is that the unemployment, the amount of people as of this date that have applied for unemployment is over 40 million Americans, which is absolutely unprecedented, which now makes me wonder 
how effective this program was to keep people on payrolls. They did expend a fair amount of the allocations. Uh, There were two allocations, I believe, so far, although it's my understanding that there's still funds in the second allocation because I just checked uh, with a banker this morning and he uh, inferred that there are they are still accepting applications and uh, there are still there's still money allocated that is yet to be spent in the second allocation. Uh, one of the questions I have for you, Brad, is I've gotten this uh, question from clients and even they've inferred that their bank who they derived the funds from recommended they get a separate bank account for the PPP funds. I have my own opinion about this, but what have you found and do you have any f- opinion on it? I certainly have opinions on it. I think I don't think it's been an across the board preference by banks, um, but certain banks are requiring a separate account. I think their goal with that is to just make the tracking of those those expenses a little bit simpler, where you can see you know, the 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 inflows and outflows out of this bank particular bank account are strictly PPP related. But I think at the bottom line, it comes down to how well you track those expenses. If you can support those expenses with documentation from either your payroll provider, uh, your landlord, uh, with your lease payments, utility bills. Um, I don't know that it's much of an issue to not have it in a separate bank account, <clears throat> but it certainly helps to streamline the, the tracking of the expenses. Um, if you have a good accounting software or an accountant to help you with that, uh, you can help mitigate the need for that uh, additional account. Okay. So I feel like my personal opinion is when I've been asked by clients about keeping a separate bank account, uh, truly you'd have to move a lot of your uh, disbursements to that account, uh, especially payroll, which then you have to circle back with your payroll company and change a lot of information with them. And frankly, I know that the SBA has issued its first draft of the forgiveness application, which we'll get into shortly. And the information that they're asking for to support a forgiveness request is not necessarily related to which bank account the funds come from, but the detail of the various categories of payments and then the support of that, probably with bank uh, activity. Yeah, very, very true. I mean, if if you have a separate bank account, not all of your payroll is actually allowable to be spent with that money. So you'd actually have to you know that the the employer payroll taxes aren't aren't an allowable expense. So you'd have to you know kind of segregate only certain monies coming from that special account to cover the gross payroll and any other monies taxes related would have to come from your main account. So that's a good point for you. As well as your payroll processing fees that typically are all swept out of one account if you're doing a direct deposit or and or if the checks are being issued by the payroll company, it just appears to it just could be counterproductive and actually making more work for yourself or for your accountant. I just wanted to get into that a, a little bit. So segueing into the forgiveness piece of the loan, uh, the SBA has issued their first uh, draft of the forgiveness application. And I know we've read through that ourselves. And um, uh, what's your opinion of that, Brad? Uh, at, at first pass, anyone that looks at it um, uh, will see it. It looks pretty complicated. Um, there are various schedules and subschedules to it um, in order to document um, the money you spent and how you spent it. Um, and the, the, the banker that I spoke to said uh, he believes a lot of clients are going to um, 
request some assistance in filling it out rather than doing it themselves, just to ensure that they haven't missed anything. Um, as far as the forgiveness side of things go, the most important thing I think is is being able to track all your eligible costs uh, that would potentially allow your loan to be forgiven, making sure you're tracking your payroll costs, um, your mortgage, real estate, uh, your rent rather, and your utilities, and having the having the support that you'll need to provide to the to the bank, such as payroll reports and, and lease agreements, signed lease agreements that for were for a lease that um, was in place prior, obviously to to the loan being taken. I think February fifteenth is the actual date, um, and then having all your utility bills and things to support what what you expended. So the I mean the loan application itself is it's about eleven pages long with the instructions. Um, but it details, it breaks down how you spent the money, including how you uh, track your uh, number of employees, because there's a component to this forgiveness that uh, relates to full-time equivalents, number of full-time equivalent employees that you have now versus prior to the loan. Um, and there's a comparison of that um, that you need to take into account. So this application helps kind of walk walk through all those those steps. Right. And I guess this is where comparing what you put down on your loan application is full-time equivalents and payroll will will some will enter into what they view your information is when you present the actual information for the forgiveness period one of the things i i think some people might be confused about and well <laughs> this uh, because this has been so dynamic and they've kept changing the rules as time has passed uh, on some of these things, which has been quite frustrating for small businesses as well as frust- frustrating for us in advising small businesses. But one of the things I think that may not be clear to some is that uh, there are some timing issues with the application uh, for forgiveness piece. In other words, Brad, should let's say I've gotten the money and let's say I've even spent it the way you should spend it to get forgiveness. Should you, how long should you wait after the period involved, the eight week period, or if they, if they change that to apply for forgiveness? Like if I waited two years, well, that's an, that's an exaggeration, but let's say I waited six months. Is that wise or not wise? And why? Um, I don't know that I would necessarily wait that long. Um, but I would certainly not do it immediately because again, this program is fluid. Um, we'll talk a little bit later about some of the things that are on the horizon as far as bills that are in the house and Senate that may change this a little bit from what I've read. Uh, what I've heard is there may be a 10 month window that businesses have in order to apply for this, but certainly the next month, there's probably still going to be some changes to this. Um, as far as the eight weeks, there's potential for the eight weeks to become longer. Um, there's a potential for a bit more to be included. I, I mentioned earlier, this may may allow for other loans other than just your mortgage. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily jump on it, at least jump on submitting the application now. I'd start gathering your information and start uh, preparing your calculations at this point. Um, but as far as actually submitting it, I would wait because if you if you calculate it now, you may realize that you know you didn't spend enough to qualify for for, for full forgiveness. If you wait a bit longer and some of these laws are, are finalized, uh, it may expand a little bit to allow you to get more of that loan forgiven. Got it. So 
One of the things that it, it's my understanding that interest, pardon me, interest starts to accrue on the loan during, or I should say after the eight weeks or whatever that ends up being until such time as the loan is forgiven or the application is, is submitted. Uh, do, how does that work? My understanding is the interest is um, deferred until six months after the beginning of the loan. So I, I believe it's accruing, um, but no payments are due until the six-month mark. Um, so each business has their own six-month mark because it begins the day they're funded. Um, so six months from the day you're funded is when your your payments begin. Um, now that's an that brings up an interesting point. Um, the forgiveness process itself could take several months because it needs to go first to the bank, and then the bank needs to submit a package to the SBA. Once the SBA reviews it, they'll essentially um, fund the money back to the bank um, to to forgive the loan. But my understanding is the SBA SBA has ninety days to review the package before they get it back. So till you get your application submitted and the bank gets it and the bank review uh, sends it off to the SBA and they and they do their review, we could be getting close to four, five, even six months down the road, and you know. If your if your loan payments begin after six months, you may not be forgiven yet. Quite frankly, so that'll that'll be interesting. Yes, I hope to have a a banker uh, on one of the future episodes specifically to talk about this because I think it it is important and it may be something that was unintended, but something that could catch a small business by surprise. Uh, the the need to make a debt payment when they weren't expecting it, maybe sooner than they expected, even if the loan will ultimately be forgiven. So this is very cloudy and murky at this point and uh, a concern. Uh, and we just wanted to express it just as a heads up. We don't know how it's going to work. They might uh, extend that period or make it more clear. But at this point, it's a bit murky. And at least you should be um, you know, forewarned as forearmed, so to speak. Okay, so jumping into the um, House bill, which was just passed uh by the House, uh, I believe, yesterday, um, and the Senate has yet to consider that um, or present something similar, I believe, at this point. But um, there's some encouraging news here for small businesses and further clarification on some things. Again, it is legislation. It has not passed both houses and certainly not been signed by the president. So it is important to just kind of, uh, I think it is an indicator of direction of legislation, which is very good uh, for small businesses and people in general. It is kind of sad that they moved at this late date with this because many people are coming up on their eight-week period and so use the money that they received according to the rules as they understood them when they received the money. And now it's quite possible that the time period could have maybe doubled or or whatever, and or the percentage needed for payroll might change. So, Brad, could you just jump into a little bit on what the House bill says? Sure. So, um, the this is the this is a new House bill. It's not the Heroes Act that uh, I think was introduced maybe two weeks ago. Uh, this is called the PPP Flexibility Act of 2020, and this is specifically just a bill uh, relating to some of the provisions of the PPP loan. Again, the original CARES Act gave provided a covered period of eight weeks um, 
and required the rehiring of your staff by the end of June. So only a month away from that um, and utilize, uh, um, required 75% of the loan proceeds be used for payroll in order to qualify, potentially qualify for full forgiveness. Um, the PPP Flexibility Act um, passed by the House yesterday, I believe, almost unanimously uh, by both uh, both parties, I believe it was 417 to 1, proposes to increase the covered period from eight weeks to 24 weeks um, and proposes to uh, offer through December 31st as the date when you need to rehire these employees in order to qualify. Um, and as you mentioned, Fran, <clears throat> One of the other items was use of the funds meet being 75% or more for payroll. They've proposing to reduce that to 60%. Um, and, and even beyond that, they want to extend the, the loan period for anything that's not forgiven all the way out to five years rather than the original two years. Um, so this, this has passed the House. Um, it's in the Senate's hands at this point. Um, I think because of the almost unanimous support on the House side. We're going to get something out of it on the, on the Senate side, but they have a few uh, modifications that they are proposing. Again, it's just, it's just speculation at this point, but um, their proposal would be 12 to 16 week uh, period rather than the eight weeks of or the original act or the 24 weeks of the PPP Flexibility Act from the House. Um, but they want to remain at the 75%. Um, so. I believe they're supposed to bring that up uh, next week in their in the session or very soon anyway. So hopefully we get some answers on that relatively soon. Um, but like you said, a lot of a lot of people are probably already through the eight weeks and may may uh, have not spent their money. So hopefully this gives them a little bit more time to to spend the money and and therefore qualify for forgiveness. Yes. What to me what's disappointing about this is that the original goal to uh, allocate funds to keep for businesses to pay employees, even if the employees stayed home, and now to extend this period because many restaurants, bars, hospitality organizations were closed because they had to be, if they applied for the funds and spent the money to pay employees so that they didn't need to furlough them, i.e. apply for unemployment, and now they're extending the time period, this money could have actually been used to reopen their businesses with that capital and pay employees to come and start getting the business ready to to uh, reopen based on state guidelines. So I, I and also one of the other points I want to make is some people because of the eight week period and the fact that they were closed and they saw no reason to pay employees to stay home sent the money back and so and I'm not sure what the opportunity is for them to reapply. If and when I get the banker, uh, the loan officer on the, uh, one of the episodes, I will ask that question. He may not know the answer either. It may not have even been uh, addressed. So uh, with that, uh, we're getting to the end of the uh, episode. And Brad, do you have any final thoughts on, you know, or advice to small businesses regarding um, the PPP program? Yeah, one last thing I, I neglected to mention is, um, so the, the eight-week period, um, initially was set up as the expenses need to be paid and incurred in that period. Uh, they've relaxed on that a little bit um, and and said paid, essentially paid or incurred during that eight-week period. And they've also allowed for a an alternative payroll period, um, meaning, you, you know, there are certain companies that 
they may have had a payroll the day before they got the money uh, or the day after they got the money, and that didn't fit into the definition of paid and incurred during that time frame. They've relaxed that a little bit and allowed you to change your period essentially to line up with your payroll. So you can have your period begin on your first payroll after receiving the funds to to try to better match, you know, if you're a biweekly pay that you have four pays in the eight-week period. So uh, that's some, a little bit of the relaxing that has come uh, once the application has come out. And I think we may see a little bit more of that as they, they finalize these regulations. Right. And as a small business owner, you know, that's maybe a little bit more accounting lingo, like cash accounting versus accrual accounting. So point is, is that they've taken the rules and made them a little bit more flexible so that um, you have the option to figure out which works best for you based on your accounting. So with that, we're going to close out the uh, the session, but uh, Brad's contact information will be in the episode notes. And uh, certainly you can reach out to him with further questions or your accountant. I do just want to say that, you know, this is basic and hopefully helpful information for you. The devil's in the details, as they say. So please uh, just continue to watch uh, and listen to any news releases regarding any legislation that's finally passed and um, speak with uh, your accountant. Or if you want to, you can contact us again. Brad's information uh, will be in the episode notes. So thanks again for listening. Take care. Remember, we all start small. This podcast is sponsored by the accounting firm of Molinari Oswald, located in Center Valley, PA, serving small businesses globally. If you love this podcast, please tell a friend. Thank you.